I have the privilege of continuing our series talking about adjustments. Uh, Pastor Jamie's preaching actually in the chapel today, a unique message for the chapel. And Neil and all the other campus pastors, we get to preach to our congregation, so I'm always excited to do that. Today we're going to be talking about seeing reality. Seeing things as they really are. And if we were honest, some people just aren't really good at this, right? Some people, uh, may they seem to be clueless at times. They miss the obvious things. They're oblivious to things that are going on around them. Uh, maybe the, <clears throat> the classic example, although they're fictitious, um, you've seen Dumb and Dumber, the movie Dumb and Dumber. To me, it's up in the pantheon of great movies. <laughs> Casablanca, you know, uh, Gone with the Wind, Dumb and Dumber, all those... Uh, but if you remember Harry and Lloyd, Lloyd, has, he's kind of sweet on this woman. I think her name was Mary. And um, he's saying, he's asking her to say, hey, do you, um, you think there's a chance that you and I could ever, you know, kind of be a couple, be a thing? And she says, not a chance. And he says, well, like uh, one in a hundred, not a chance? Or what are you talking about? And she says, more like one in a million. And you remember his line? So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> You're telling me there's a chance, right? This guy's oblivious to what's going on. This, this woman clearly wants nothing to do with him, but yet he's got this hope, and he's, he's missing the obvious signs that are coming in there. But this is not the kind of cluelessness I want to talk about today. I want to talk about maybe something that we might call spiritual clueless, right? That we're missing what God is doing around us. We're missing the ways that he's speaking to us. We're, we seem to be oblivious to how God might want to communicate with us. And so... Uh, again, we're, we're talking about making these adjustments, and, and the adjustment that we're going to make today is to, to move from, from seeing things only in a natural sense, from seeing the things around us only in a natural sense, to, to a, maybe a more supernatural sense, to kind of put on lenses, if you will, to be able to see what God might be doing in ways that aren't so easily explained. When we say natural, we're talking about things that can be explained and observed by the laws of nature and science. And of course, supernatural then is, is things that cannot be explained simply by the laws of science and nature. And so we want to make this the shift from not just seeing things naturally, but, but seeing things that maybe God is doing in a supernatural realm. <clears throat> we want to see, we want to learn to see God at work in the world around us. And sometimes that's in supernatural ways. And in general, I think most of us have a tendency to miss these things. Some of you are extremely good at this. You know, you might be hypersensitive to what God is doing around you. You see God in your oatmeal, and you're like, oh, there's a sign. He's telling me something here as I stir and see this. You know, so maybe, maybe this isn't for you, but I would think the vast majority of us, we tend to miss things that God is trying to say to us, right? He, ha he has something he wants to communicate, and, and, we, and we miss it, and we, we don't always see the way God is working around us. And so I want us to be, to be sensitive. I want us to have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is trying to say. And in our passage today, we're going to see some folks who just simply missed it. God had a, had a message for them, and they couldn't see it. And in fact, they went right to the natural realm, and they said, well, this couldn't be God speaking to us. They had another explanation. So we're going to, uh, to see their story in just a minute. But as we do that, would you just pray with me as we get ready to hear from God today? Father, we ask you to speak to us. We know that throughout the history of humanity, you speak to your people, and God, we want to hear from you today, and I pray that we would hear your words, we would hear your truth, and Lord, we would be different because of it. So it's, it's fitting, Lord, that the very thing we're talking about 
today. The very focus of this passage is what we're asking for you right now. We want you to speak to us. May you receive the glory that you are so worthy of. We pray this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So we're continuing where Jamie left off last week. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 12. And uh, we've been going through this this, uh, book of John, really a few chapters in John. And, uh, and, and Jamie was talking last week. Let me just kind of fill you in. There was, a, there was a verse. He didn't spend a ton of time, but I don't know if you remember it. In verse 23, John chapter 12, verse 23, Jesus answered them, the crowds. He said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Right? G- Jamie was talking mostly about how Jesus later said, you, you got you to really lose your life to find your life, if you will. So this idea of losing your life is a good thing. And, but Jesus made this, this sense that I'm going to lose my life. It's time for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he talked about how like a seed going into the ground has to, has to die in order for it to come up and bear fruit. Jesus was going to have to go into the ground so that his ministry could bear fruit. right? The fruit of forgiveness of our sins, the fruit of salvation. This was the fruit of Jesus' ministry, and he had to die in order to do it. So he basically was proclaiming, hey, I'm going to die, but it's necessary. I need to do it. It's important. And so we pick it up in, in, verse, uh, in verse 27 here. He says, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Therefore, Father, glorify your name. Jesus is thinking of his impending death, right? And, and his, his reaction is, my soul is troubled. Of course it's troubled. Jesus is going to suffer in a real way, right? And, it, and it's true that, that Jesus is God, and so we might be tempted to think, well, he's God, Come, it's not really that big of a deal. No, he's fully God, but he's fully human too. What he was about to experience was real pain, was real suffering on, on many levels, right? It, it was obviously, it was, it was physical suffering, I mean, that's pretty clear. When, when, you're, when you're nailed to the cross, right? When, when, you're, when you're wearing a crown of thorns, when you're beaten, right? When, you, when you're trying to lift yourself up so that you don't suffocate, you can see, obviously, this is going to be physical pain. And, and there's emotional pain when Jesus went to the cross. He's, he's being crucified in front of his, his friends, in front of his own mother. His mother's watching him be tortured and killed. That's got to cause some emotional pain. Of course it would. There's social pain. I mean, this was a humiliating way to die. This wasn't a hero's death. I mean, we look at the cross and we go, oh, praise God. They looked at the cross back then and said, what a scoundrel. He's the worst of the worst. It was not a way to die. It was not a glorious way. It, it, it was a, a, a very uh, dishonorable way to die. It was spiritually painful. I mean, Jesus cries out on the cross, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? Right? He was missing that relational closeness with the Father. He felt that pain, and he cries out, God, why, why have you left me here? So Jesus is, is right in thinking, man, this is not going to be fun. My, my soul is troubled. This is, a, this is a tough thing I'm about to go do. And he acknowledges that he could cry out to the Father. The Father could save him, but he rightly concludes, why would he do that? Right? Why, why would Jesus do that? He knows that this is the reason he came to earth. This is the reason he became human. This is the reason he lived a sinless life. It was all building up to this moment. Jesus, he's going to say the same thing just a short while later in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
right, where he's praying and he says, Father, if it's possible, if you're willing, take this cup of suffering from me. God, I don't want to do this, but then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It's the same idea going on here. Jesus, he knows he needs to do this, but he doesn't want to. It troubles his soul because it's real suffering. But knowing that, that all of the suffering is part of God's plan, knowing that this is all going to work out in the end, is enough to make him go to the cross despite the pain and the agony of it. My, um, you know, I, I can imagine my, my brother was feeling the same thing. He was, um, he was diagnosed probably about two years ago with, with testicular cancer. And it, was, it wasn't that far enough along, so he had a really good prognosis, maybe 98, 99% chance. If you catch it early, uh, you have a good chance of making it through there. So he gets this good statistics, but yet when you're talking to him, uh, and he's kind of a jokester, he's laughing, but I knew deep down, and he would share deep down that he was troubled. He wasn't looking forward to the treatment plan. Even though it was probably going to work out good, his soul was troubled. He knew that, that the surgery, the chemotherapy, all the stuff that goes on with that, was not going to be enjoyable. It was going to be extremely difficult. He was going to be miserable. Even though the end was a good thing, the process to get there was hard. Jesus felt the same thing. He knew, though, that going to the cross, as painful as it may be, as difficult, as troubling as it was, it was going to accomplish God's will. He knew that. It was all part of God's redemptive plan, and it ultimately brings glory to God's name. So he proclaims, Father, glorify your name. Father, may your name be glorified, Jesus cries out. Then, listen, a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there, they, they heard it and, they, and said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Get this. Jesus, he's getting ready. He knows he's going to the cross. He's thinking through the, the, the pain it's going to be. But he says, God, may, 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 I want it to be your. May, Father, may you be glorified. May this glorify your name. And then this booming voice comes from heaven. It says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. I mean, Jesus cries out to heaven, and God answers him. This thundering voice fills the crowd. And, and somehow, unbelievably, people missed it. People, they weren't sensitive to it. They didn't hear it. These people, they were looking for maybe some natural explanation, trying to figure out, oh, where did that come from? Uh, maybe it thundered. I don't know. Uh, maybe someone who were a little more sensitive, like maybe it was a, an angel's voice or something. They had no idea that God was speaking to them. God had intervened into human history right there, into that very scene, and spoke to them, and they were oblivious to it. They were looking for something maybe they could understand, something in the natural explanation, but there was none. God had spoken to them. And, and this is the problem, I think, for us that needs an adjustment. When we encounter these times, and it may not be this audible voice from God, but when God speaks to us, sometimes we miss it. We need to understand that, that God speaks to us in many ways, even some supernatural ways. We need to understand how he is working around us. And... and I, I know that there are a lot of Christians who aren't hearing what God is saying to them, right? They're like this crowd. They're, they're just not listening or they're dismissing it, right? They're writing it off as coincidence. That eh, couldn't have been God speaking to me. That couldn't, that couldn't be him trying to get my attention. It was probably this. It was probably just a coincidence. I know that happens because I see it over and over again. 
right? You, you hear these stories, and I read the story of this woman this week, uh, Teresa Daoud. Uh, she's in Israel, and, and I've heard probably a dozen stories just like this, where in this particular case, this woman had this um, malignant tumor in her knee, and the doctors in Israel said, hey, we're going to, uh, we, we need to amputate. It's going to spread rapidly. The only way we can do this, we have to just take off your, your leg here. And so she was going to get this amputation, and twice, for reasons outside of her control, the, the surgery was postponed. Some things happened, they weren't ready. So twice the surgery was postponed. The third time, she actually had to, to, to postpone it. So after three times, she said, you know what, maybe God's telling me something. I, I'm, I'm not gonna, and she called off the surgery. The doctors, the medical professionals said, this surgery is going to save your life. And she said, you know what, after three times, maybe God's trying to tell me something. I'm just going to pray. Now you can imagine after, you know, whatever number of years in med school, these doctors are like, really? That's your solution? But she, they said, as they quoted later, that she's a sane woman, she was smart, she was responsible, and they said, we'll respect her wishes. And she came back three months later, and, and, and they looked at her, and they, first of all, they weren't even expecting her to be alive then. So they were kind of shocked by that, but they said, well, let's take a look at your knee. And they, they, they scanned her knee and did all the imaging, and lo and behold, the tumor was basically gone. It was still there, but what was malignant was now benign, and the doctor said, well, this stuff doesn't happen. And, and what did she do this whole time? She just prayed. She gathered around a group of women, and they prayed, and they said, God, would you heal my knee? And God did. And here's what a lot of people said. Well, was it really a malignant tumor? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know. You know, we saw that movie, uh, Miracle from Heaven. Remember, we showed it here in the theater a few, about a month or two ago. And the same type of thing. This, this, this little girl has this GI problem for her entire life. She falls off the tree. What? She falls off the tree, hits her head, and now she's healed. And so even Christians, and I don't know how much this, this story, I know this, it's based on a real story, but I don't know how all the conversation, how much of that is real, but there was a scene in the church, and even one of the Christians who, who follows God, who, who believes that God created the universe, says, wait a minute, are we sure she was really sick? Do we really know she was sick? I don't know if God works in those ways. And they were missing what was right in front of them. Uh, even Christians can be skeptical. See, I think most of us, we like, to, we like to meet God how, where, and when we're comfortable. Right? We like to meet God kind of on our terms. We like to put God in a little box. Hey, God, this is how I want to experience you. This is kind of what I'm comfortable with. Right? So, so work with me in this realm. I'll understand you in, in this way. But, but outside of that, I'm a little uncomfortable, God. I, I won't be looking for you there. But, but the problem is that's not how God works. Right? God works the way he wants to work. And sometimes it's in supernatural ways that we need to be sensitive to how he's working. We're the ones that have to broaden our minds. We're the ones that have to open up that little box right, that we've shoved God in or we've tried to shove God in. And we, learned it, and we need to learn to see and hear how God may be speaking to us. And, you know, again, if we were honest, I think some of you, you might be a little, a little squirmy when I talk about stuff like this. This is out of your comfort zone. You know, you're a, uh, I was an engineer. I was hanging around a bunch of scientists and math guys. They like, they like scientific stuff. This isn't scientific stuff, right? This is the supernatural realm that God sometimes works in. So some of us, we might get a little uncomfortable when we talk about this. You know, believe me, I understand, Right? I, I know those people. I, I, in fact, I've seen people, and this also makes me uncomfortable, you know those people who are like ridiculously hypersensitive to this stuff. 
right? They see God everywhere. The freaky deaky, God is alive in every single possible thing. And again, their oatmeal, every sign is from God. Everything that happens is from God. They're, they're sitting in there, those in the radio, they hear sweet home Alabama. They decide to pick up and move to Alabama. You're like, what? Who would do that? You know, it's, but, but they're, just, they're just looking for everything. They see everything as a sign from God. And, and I'm, I'm not talking about that kind of sensitivity to God speaking. I'm talking about an adjustment, right? I'm, I'm, ta- I'm not talking necessarily about doing a 180 in your life, but just maybe being a little more open, a little more sensitive to how God might want to speak to you in ways that you might not be accustomed to. And I know that makes some of us, myself included, a little uncomfortable, Again, we've got this image of how God's going to work, and sometimes he may want to work differently. But here's the deal. If we don't make this adjustment, what does it cost us? We may miss out on hearing from God. He may want to say something to us, and we just miss it. And that's our loss. So we want to open our, our minds. We want to open our, be more sensitive to hear what God has to say to us. See, Jesus answered, after all this happened, after the crowd missed it, after they were trying to figure out where it came from, he told them, he said, listen, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Guys, he says, this is for you, right? This, was for you. this wasn't for me. That voice wasn't coming here to encourage me. It was for you, and you missed it. And here's the message that you missed. He says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself, He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered, and we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. This voice speaks from heaven. It speaks of this past glory. I have glorified my name, right? In all of Jesus' ministry, right? Jesus's, uh, God's name has been glorified in everything Jesus has done up to this point. Do you remember when Jesus was born, right? We talk about this every Christmas. Kids sing these songs, right? Every Christmas, the angels are proclaiming to the shepherds, this host, this heavenly host is proclaiming to the shepherds. Do you know what they said when they're, when they're announcing the birth of Christ? Glory to God in the highest. Right? God, God was glorified in the very birth of Jesus. And through all his ministry, all his miracles, all his, the things he was doing. In fact, Jesus even said on multiple occasions, hey, I'm doing this miracle so that the, the power and the glory of God might be displayed for everyone to see. Right? Everything Jesus did, it, it, it brought glory to God's name. So, so God can rightly say, I have glorified my name. But then he says, and I will glorify it again. Everything Jesus has done has brought glory, and what he's about to do is going to do the same thing. God will be glorified when Jesus is <clears throat> lifted up. This lifted up has dual meaning, right? Obviously, there's a very literal meaning where Jesus is nailed to the cross and his body is lifted up off the earth, right? That's going to bring God's glory. But there's a figurative sense where because of Jesus' obedience to the Father, right, because of his obedience to his will, uh, God exalts him. God lifts him up. God gives him glory to the Son. And this is all part of God's amazing plan of redemption. Jesus says when he is lifted up, 
See, here's what happens. He's going to draw all people to himself, right? Now forgiveness of sins becomes available because Jesus took them on the cross. This brings glory to, to God's name because God is now a God who, he's a God who loves so much that he sent Jesus. He's a God who saves, and Jesus was doing that. So all of this brings glory to the Father. And Jesus reminds the crowd that at the cross, a lot of things weren't as they seemed. Right? A lot of things were happening at the cross that people didn't, not, they didn't rec necessarily recognize. Uh, see, the world thought it was passing judgment on Jesus. The world thought uh, they were crucifying Jesus. We're passing judgment on you. But in reality, the cross was passing judgment on them. Now, because of the cross, we're accountable to choose. People are now accountable to, in the midst of their sin, right, when they're, when they're faced with the brilliance of Jesus, it exposes their own sinfulness, and they have a choice. Either, either I run to the Savior, or I run away from him. Either, either I reject him, or, or I receive him, and I come to him. We have this choice, and now, in a very real way, judgment has come to us because we have that choice. Not the final judgment, but judgment now because we now have this choice. We're going to follow him, or we're not. And that's all made possible because of the cross. Also, the cross may have seemed like it was Satan's triumph. You can almost imagine Satan, ha, the Savior has been destroyed, the so-called Savior. He's dead. He's on the cross. Right, but when in fact, uh, what, what, what may have seemed like a, a, a triumph for Satan was in fact a crushing defeat. Satan lost his power over humanity. He lost his reign and God wanted people to know that, that his name would be glorified in the past and what was about to happen. Everything that Jesus was about to do was going to bring him glory. You see, God is working all the time, all around us, even when we don't know it. He's doing things around us, even if we're not aware of it, he is working in our lives. Did you guys know, right now, in this room, there's country music everywhere? You're listening hard. You know there's country music everywhere, right? Turn this guy on. Some of you are wishing it wasn't. Oh, uh. Yeah, it's going to be a commercial. That's why I knew it. Oh, now we got it. This was here all along. This little guy here makes it happen. It was here the whole time. Country music was filling this room. We just didn't have the ability to hear it. We, didn't, we weren't dialed in, we weren't sensitive, right? We didn't have the right equipment to hear it, but, but we probably have a class action lawsuit someday later in life when we realize all these radio waves are hurting us. But anyway, uh, but it's, it's here, it's everywhere. It's in this room, but you have to have the right equipment. You have the right sensitivity. You have to tune it in. We need to make that adjustment. The same thing with God. We, 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 need to, we need to dial in, if you will. We need to tune in how God might be wanting to, how he might want to speak to us. We need to be able to hear him in the supernatural realm, as well as obvious things that happen right in front of us in the natural realm. Now, you might object and say, Steve, yeah, that's cool, but I'm not hearing voices like these guys did. Right? I think I would hear, I mean, I mean if you heard, Leah, go to Chipotle for lunch, you know, whatever. 
You'd be like, okay, I'll go to Chipotle. You're like, I can hear that, but, 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 so you'd be like, but I'm not hearing that stuff. So what are some ways that God might speak to us that's not this big audible voice or this burning bush or this pillar of fire in the sky or whatever? What are some ways that God might speak to us today? Uh, I put together a few categories for you to understand, again, maybe how and where God might be speaking to us. Uh, first of all, relationships, people, right? God speaks to us a lot through relationships, now, uh, I'm not talking about, like, uh, prophets, necessarily, where people come in and say, thus saith the Lord, God has sent them with a message. I'm not talking about that. I had enough of that. I was a pastor in singles ministry. I heard that all the time, right? Some guy was usually talking to me, hey, Steve, man, the Lord told me I'm supposed to ask so-and-so out. And I'm like, well, that's really weird because God is telling her the exact opposite thing, to run away from you. <laughs> but, so I probably heard, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, in, in my years of singles ministry, I'd be a rich man. But... Uh, I'm not talking about prophets, per se, but, but we do frequently see God speaking through wise counsel from our friends. God will use them to speak truth into our lives, and sometimes they don't really even know they're doing it. Sometimes it's, it's in seemingly random ways. You say, well, what does that look like? Uh, here's a, uh, happened to me a while back. Uh, there was a long time ago, uh, well before I met my awesome wife, uh, I met some, I was hanging out with some women who weren't so awesome. And, uh, and I just, they were just bad relationships. I shouldn't have been in these relationships. They were uh, doing stuff they shouldn't have been doing. I just shouldn't have been in those relationships. And as well, I had just sin in my heart. I just didn't feel like I was close with God. But I had this sin, and, and I was in these relationships I shouldn't have been in. And, and, and then I remember one night, I was thinking, I was just sitting there, and I was thinking to myself, gosh, why, um, why would God let me stay in these relationships? Why would God let me live with these sins? I mean, why would, why would he do that? I mean, I've read the Bible. I've seen Ananias and Sapphira. I've seen Achan's sin. I've seen all these things. And God sometimes strikes him dead. Why would he, why would, I mean, I love God. Why would he let me do these things? And, and so I had this brief moment. You ever have one of these times when just some, uh, some thought comes in? It's not healthy. It's a bad thought. But Satan just seems to take that thought captive. He just piles on. So I went from, yeah, I wonder why God lets me do this, to all of a sudden I'm thinking, maybe God, maybe he's not really listening Maybe he's not paying attention. Maybe he doesn't really even care. Maybe he's not. He's doing something else, and he doesn't, it doesn't even matter what I do. And I went to bed, and I was just a re- I was like depressed that night. I was really discouraged. I was despairing. I was like, God, is he, even, is he even watching what we're doing? Does he even care about us? And this was a late night. I go to bed, and, and I wake up in the morning, and it's, it's actually Thanksgiving Day, and I go to play a, a turkey bowl with a bunch of my friends, and... Um, I'm sitting there, and, and my buddy calls me, and, and it's, it's like 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm lacing up my cleats, about ready to go. He says, hey, Steve, I, I just had, he's, he's one of my best friends, and um, uh, he says, hey, I just had this thought. You know, just last night it came over me. It was like overwhelming. I felt God just telling me he wanted me to call you and just ask if you're all right. And I was like, yeah, yeah. So he's like, is everything okay? Are you, are you good? I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Yeah, sure. And I was thinking, like, what just happened? Like, he'd never done that in the past. And, and, and he's never done that since. This, this is literally the only time he's ever done this was the, the morning after I was questioning whether God cared about us, whether he was involved in our life. And I just felt like this is an opportunity where God just, just grabbed me by the shoulders and said, Steve, I see everything you do. I know everything about you. I never miss anything. I'm always there. I know it all, and I'm still with you. And, and I just I needed to, I, to hear that. That God, he, he sees it all. And I felt like that was a, a relationship. God used my friend Christian to speak to me in that way. God also uses our circumstances. 
right? He uses just, just maybe it's a sunset we see, or, or the sunrise, or, some, or something in nature, or he uses a circumstance like, like a, a, a flat tire, a missed appointment, an illness, uh, a healing, right? Maybe he uses just a circumstance, anything, to, to say something to us. Now, I recognize even when I say this, this could make you a little, uh, uh, if you're neurotic, if you're obsessive, this could be like the, your worst nightmare, right? Like we were talking about earlier. Man, how is God doing? Is he speaking through this? Is he speaking through this? Is that song? The things we were talking about earlier. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, we're not talking about that necessarily. Um, but I think most of us, again, we're not going to go on the neurotic side, but most of us have a tendency just to fly through life and we miss things that God might be saying because we're just so busy. We miss these circumstances that God happens, has in our lives and we don't see him working. He was, um, this happened to me a while back. I was, um, I was a pastor on call, the POD we call it, the pastor of the day. So anyone that comes in off the streets, whether they're from our church or just from anywhere in the community and they want to talk to a pastor, they get me. So I'm there, and this woman uh, comes into the lobby, and she, uh, I say, you know, good, good morning. My name is Steve Erickson. I'm one of the pastors here. And, and she says, hi, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Jane. <laughs> she just, just balls. Just, I mean, just full-on sob. So instantly I'm caught off guard. I was like, well, that doesn't normally happen to me when people meet me, but, <laughs> but I, I was, you think I might be used to it maybe. But, but so, I, I, so I was like, oh, you know, come on back. So I, I took her back to this room, and... and and, and we were talking, and so, so for the next 45 minutes, she began to just pour out her heart. And this, her core problem was that nobody loved her. Nobody cared about her. She was married, she was lonely, like her husband didn't pay any attention to her, treated her like she was nothing. Her friends and everybody kind of all had gone away. Like she, this woman had nobody, she was so lonely. She felt like she was invisible to the world. And 45 minutes in, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to pray for her. Oh, man, I've forgotten her name. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, oh, this is bad. Here's a woman telling me that, that nobody cares about her, and I have forgotten her name in 30 minutes. And I, so I'm like, oh, this is trouble. This is bad news. Uh, what am I going to do? And so she takes, by God's grace, she takes the last Kleenex out of the box dabs her tears, and I'm like, hey, you know what, let me go, let me go get you some more Kleenex. She says, no, no, I'm, I'm all right, I'm all right. No, no, seriously, let me go get you some more Kleenex. So I get out, and I, I go out to the lobby, and I, I talk to the receptionist. I say, hey, this is really embarrassing, but I forgot her name. What, what, what was her name again? And of course, would you know, oh, sorry, Steve, I forgot her name too. I was like, oh, man, I had this genius plan. It was supposed to work. And, and so then I'm sitting there, and I mean, this, this plane is circling around. It's going to land. You know, the landing gear is coming down in this conversation. Like, we're, we're going to take this thing home. And I'm thinking, man, I do not want to pray, God, help my sister here. Help this dear saint who loves you. You know, I, I wanted to have her name. And so I just sat there. I said, Lord, I'm an idiot. But can you just please show this woman grace? Can, can you just give me her name? Like, I do, I do not want to be the one that hurts her today. And, and I, I kid you not, I, I, I finished this prayer, and like five to seven seconds later, this woman's talking, and she says, and so I was just saying, I, like I just said to myself, Jane, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> and I was like, no, Jane, you sure can't, Jane. <laughs> I mean, Jane, you really, and I probably said it like 10 more times in the next 15 seconds. But it was just, it was just this reminder that, like, it wasn't like, you would go, oh, that's, well, boy, what luck, Steve, what luck. No, I, I asked God, I said, God, I need this. 
and, and he answered and he spoke to me. And this was, I just felt like God was saying, listen, Steve, I will be there with you in ministry. I will help you. I, people matter to me. This woman matters to me. And, and I will answer your prayer to help this woman. I just felt like God was reminding me of that. He spoke to me in that circumstance. He also speaks to us through his word. And, and you might be thinking, well, yeah, duh, it's called his word. It's his revelation to us. Of course he's speaking to us through his word. And that's, that is true. Everything in God's word is from him, right? It's him speaking to us. But I'm talking about when we, when we approach God's word and we say, God, I want to hear from you today. I want you to speak into my life today. So we're not just going to dig up some doctrine and learn some things about God, but we want God to speak to us. Sometimes he, he answers that question even if we don't ask it. He, he might speak to us in a way that we don't even see coming. Uh, the scripture in Hebrews 4.12 says that the, the word of God is living. It's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It, it, it divides the human soul. It, it, it separates our thoughts and our intentions. It knows everything. It, it, can, it, it can tell us everything about us. It's like holding up a mirror to our lives. It's, it's living. It's alive. And so we should approach it that way. And so uh, I was thinking, this, this happened actually just this week. I was, uh, I had a couple things going on. I, I had this big, uh, this kind of this ministry challenge, this thing we got to fix, and, uh, and, and it's, so we want to make it better. And so, but, it, but it's a challenge. It's a pretty formidable one. And so I, I'm thinking through, like, what are we going to do? And I got all kinds of great ideas. I'm like, oh, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, what about this? And, and some of them may, may be a little gimmicky, maybe some, I don't know. But I was like, oh, it'll work. I think it'll be really practical. That's where I went initially. So I'm also getting ready to, to do this uh, class on spiritual gifts and teach it again. So I was looking up this verse uh, in, sec, in 2 Chronicles 16, chapter 9. Um, the verse says that the eyes of the Lord are searching, uh, to, are, are wandering to and fro. They're searching to and fro over the earth, looking to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. And I, I was like, oh, that's a great verse to, to teach, uh, you know, the people just who, God wants to empower you to service. He's looking for people who are humble, want to serve him, and, and he'll give you the strength. So I'm in that context, I'm looking at this verse, and I, I said, I just had this thought, like, I wonder what the rest of the, the context is. I just, you know, I've, I've never really paid much attention to it. Uh, I know the verse, but I don't know all the rest of it. So I start looking, the, the whole chapter, I read it, and here's the story. And I, I, I can't believe I never read it before or at least I don't remember it, uh, Asa, the king of Judah, right? He's, 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 they're in Judah, and, and then Basha, the king of, of Israel, comes down to make this, this fort, and he's going to build this fort right at the border. He's going to control all of the, uh, of, the, of the trade and all the people going in and out. He can tax and all those things. It's, it's, a, it's a position of power. And, of course, this freaking Asa out. He's like, ah, this isn't good. So he gets this genius thought in his head. He goes to the king of Syria and says, hey, listen, he brings some money with him. He says, Here, here's some money. I know you have a, a, an alliance with us. You have a covenant with us, a treaty, and you also have one with them. Break your covenant with Israel and, and, and just keep it with us, and then you can attack them and run them off. And the guy's like, yeah, sure, I'll do anything. Takes the money, and he does exactly that. He goes and he runs off. He destroys you know, this camp, and, and, the, and the Israelites scatter. And so you think, Asa, his plan worked. It worked exactly as he planned. Everything that he wanted to happen happened. And, and, and a seer, a prophet, came to him and said, Asa, you, you have done a wicked thing. Because you've, you've trusted man, you've trusted the king of Syria instead of trusting God. Didn't, didn't God deliver all these armies, right? The armies of Ethiopia, the armies of Libya. Didn't God deliver all those armies, right, because you trusted in him? But yet here you've gone and done this wicked thing. You've gone and trusted a king to do what God could have done for you. 
And I'm reading this, and, and, and I just decided to read the context, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, Steve, that is exactly what you're trying to do. I, I'm, trying to solve this other, I'm trying to solve this problem we have, which is my own ideas. I never once went to God and said, God, I need help here. Can, can you do this? I just thought of my own plans. This is the way where the Word of God, when I opened it up, I wasn't planning on him to tell me that, but he spoke to what was going on in my life at that very moment. God uses his word to speak to us. And I could hear God saying, Steve, I will be your support in ministry. Trust in me. I will accomplish things through your ministry. Trust in me. If you trust in me, I will do that. I heard him speak to me. We can also hear God in his still, small voice. Sometimes God speaks to us in those, just those simple times when we're listening to him. Right When I was leaving, uh, I left Motorola, I was contemplating leaving Motorola to come to work in, in full-time ministry and a pastor. I, um, lots of people were saying, oh, that's a great idea. Some people were saying, that's a stupid idea. You know, why would you do that? You have a great career and all these things. And so I just, as I prayed and I listened, it just became more and more clear to me, God saying, Steve, this pleases me. I, I couldn't shake that thought that this was just a good decision. Steve, Steve, this pleases me. It wasn't a burning bush. It wasn't an audible voice. It was just this overwhelming sense in, this, in these quiet moments of me listening to God of him saying something. I felt him saying, just trust me. I'll be with you, right? But this pleases me. Go and do it. You know, there are a lot of ways that God might speak to us. This is not an exhaustive list. This isn't all the ways that God speaks to us, but this is a representative sample of some of the ways that God might want to speak to us. And so my question to you is, are you allowing God to speak to you? What might God be saying to you in ways that maybe you're not accustomed to him speaking? Are, are you sensitive? Do you have eyes to see, ears to hear when God might be speaking to you? Are you seeing the supernatural hand of God at work in your lives? I want us to wrestle with this. I want us to think about it. I want us to be open to it. We're going to close our service today with one final song of worship. And I really want this to be our prayer, right? I want this to be an expression of our heart. I want us to believe these things. We're going to sing this song, Spirit of the Living God. And if you listen to the, the lyrics, right from the very beginning, it says, you got we want to hear your voice, right? Lord, we're hanging on every word. When you speak, right, when, when you move, when you do the things that you do, God, it, it changes us. It changes everything. And, and, I, and I believe that to be true, right? And I want us as a congregation to experience that. So I would just pray that as we pray right now, as we get into this last song of worship, I pray that this would be the prayer of your heart. Would you pray with me? Lord, we, we know you work in this world, and you do so for your glory. And God, we want to be, as a people, we want to be more sensitive to how you work in our lives. God, and we don't want to be these neurotic people who are seeing, but we want, we want you to show us clearly when you're speaking to us. And we want to be open to it. We want to be humble. We want to be patient. We want to be in tune to what you might be saying to us because we know that you want to speak to us. You want to speak to the things of our lives, the things that are happening around us, our decisions, the way we relate to people. God, you care about our lives and you want to speak to us and so we want to be open to hear. So you may receive all the glory that you're so worthy of. We 
pray this in your mighty name. Amen.